It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostrecker of Ravens Wire, and we are back on this marvelous Monday. And we have another great episode for you today. It's, of course, Mock Draft Monday, so I completed another Mock Draft. I posted it on my Twitter for what I like to call Mock Draft Sunday. So in the second and third segments, we're going to be getting into what my picks were, those six picks, so we'll start with the first three rounds and then get to rounds four, five, six, and seven in this third segment. But in the first segment, I want to talk about the Pro Bowl because the Pro Bowl happened, a lot of Ravens participated, so we'll get into how the Ravens fared and what it means, and I'll also go a bit into the Draft Network's mock draft, kind of continuing that trend of Mock Draft Monday and talk about who they had the Ravens select with the 28th pick in their most recent Mock Draft from a week ago. So there's a lot of content here, but in the first segment, I really primarily want to focus on something that's not football-related and in the grand scheme of things, not sports-related either, so we'll talk about that. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Player FM. Remember, content comes out Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOstriker34. So with all that being said, let's get right into it and let's start off with this news here. Yesterday, obviously, the big news, the massive bombshell that... Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gigi, his 13-year-old daughter, had passed away in a helicopter accident along with seven other individuals, one of them being a baseball coach and two others being the baseball coach's wife and daughter. And this was just a bombshell heard around the world that was absolutely shocking and it really felt like the whole world just stopped and, you know, it just seemed like a normal Sunday, right? And all of a sudden, this massive bombshell drops and you kind of have to stop and think about it. Kobe Bryant was 41 years old. He's done so much, not only for the game of basketball, but for just the sports world and the whole world in general. And look, this is a football podcast, and I understand, but some things are bigger than a game, bigger than a specific sport. Kobe Bryant's touched people's lives within the football world as well. We heard Lamar Jackson speak about it at the Pro Bowl, Drew Brees, Devontae Adams, Zedaria Smith did a celebration paying tribute to Kobe So many things that Kobe Bryant did in this world were just so charitable, so honorable, and he, when you got to really know him, according to the people who did know him, was just one of the nicest down-to-earth people you'll ever meet, cared so much about his daughters, about his wife, about family life, and you look at what Kobe Bryant means to, to the world of sports, and you think about all the impacts that he has made, and just what sports means in general, to a community. The fact that this death brought upon so many emotions for so many different people, the outcry that it got, the fact that people were taking 24-second violations at the beginning of basketball games to pay honor to number 24, taking eight-second backcourt violations to pay tribute to number eight. 
it just shows that a game doesn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things. It's what these players leave behind. It's their legacy. Kobe Bryant is considered an absolute legend in basketball circles, not only for his on-the-court work, but for his off-the-court work as well. And that's what really made him an all-around great person, made so many people around him happy, made so many people around him even feel safe. He got out of his car when he saw a car crash just a month or two ago, and that just showed just the person that he was and the fact that that kind of person has gone from this world. Nobody wants to lose a person, but especially not like that, especially not how it happened. Him and his daughter were going to one of the travel basketball games and basketball, Kobe Bryant lived and breathed the sport. It was something that he cherished and was trying to pass on to his family. And the fact that, you know, he didn't care that he didn't have a son to kind of carry on his NBA tradition. He was perfectly content with his four daughters and having, you know, Gigi was the one who he was like, you know, he said on a late night talk show that people would come up to him and say, oh, you have to have a son to carry on the tradition. And Gigi would be like, hold on, like, I got this, right? She, she had all the intangibles to be such a great basketball legend. And I mean, she already was, you know, on her way. And the fact that these people are now gone from the earth, it just makes you think a lot. It kind of throws you off. And this, this has to be one of the biggest sports deaths in history. I'm not, in fact, it is. Kobe Bryant touched millions. I'm not even going to say millions. I'll say Kobe Bryant touched billions of people's lives. And so the fact that he is now gone and the fact that it happened so tragically, we have to mourn this and we have to appreciate what sports brings to a community, what these players, you know, are doing for communities, are doing not only within the sport that they play, but in the communities that they live, in their hometowns. Sports athletes, you know, players, coaches, just the whole realm of sports brings communities together. It brings people together. And we've seen that in Baltimore, you know, when the Ravens are on, you know, the city is on. And when the Orioles are on, the Baltimore is happy. It's on, you know, the city rallies around each other. And this is what America, this is what the world is doing for Kobe Bryant right now. They are rallying around a single person who has such a profound impact on the world. So my condolences go out to Kobe Bryant's family, and I'm sorry I had to start off on such a somber subject, but it's just very important to talk about the impact that these players have and how much they can sometimes be taken for granted based off of what they do for their communities and how many great people there are, you know, kind of hidden under the face masks, hidden under the baseball caps, hidden under the headband, so many different things, you know. Sometimes all people see is the athlete and not the person. And with Kobe Bryant, I hope now people can see just how much of a family man he was, how much of a role model he was, and how much of a profound impact that he really did have on the world than We'll now transition into some football talk, getting into the Pro Bowl. The AFC defeated the NFC 38-33. Lamar Jackson was named the offensive MVP. He finished 16 of 23 for 185 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. And his interception was on a play. It wasn't a great throw. He was kind of rolling to the left and threw it back towards the right because he saw Jarvis Landry in the back of the end zone. But Buda Baker roamed over, made a nice catch, made a nice read on that ball. But he did have two great touchdowns, one to Andre Roberts that he thread the needle on, and another to Mark Andrews where he also thread the needle. And so in the Pro Bowl, obviously things have to be taken you know, with a grain of salt, the tackling is 
non-existent pretty much and you know the players are just out there having fun so I mean on the first interception Twitter of course naturally was tearing him apart but he turned it around and then seeded to Deshaun Watson who went 14 of 20 for 148 yards one touchdown and one interception as well on the ground Mark Ingram five carries for 31 yards he had a long of 15 and Lamar Jackson also contributed Two carries for six yards, but through the air, Mark Andrews had a phenomenal day, having nine receptions for 73 yards and one touchdown. Mark Ingram also contributed one reception for 17 yards. Marshall Yanda also showed up in the stat sheet here as he recovered a Deshaun Watson fumble. And then on defense, Marlon Humphrey, three total tackles. Earl Thomas had two total tackles and an interception. And Matthew Judon had a tackle, as did Mark Ingram on an interception. So Mark Ingram getting into the defensive stats here. But I mean, tackle is a very subjective term when it comes to the Pro Bowl. Mostly, the refs will blow the play dead after contact is made just because they want the amount of injuries in the Pro Bowl to go down, which I wholeheartedly agree with. But this was a game of fun. The Ravens players got a bit of a bonus here for winning the game, so it's a, it's a win-win for them. They get to go out, have some fun, and now the preparation begins for the offseason, and as the offseason gets going, as new players start coming in, you know, these Ravens who are now under contract, they'll be able to go. We talked about it with Lamar Jackson last week. They'll be able to go, get working, get better, so now the season is officially over for Baltimore, and they can become a better team as long as they put in the work during the offseason. We know that they can reach their potential, and their potential is still sky high, and we don't even know who's going to be on the team come September. So I'm excited, and the Pro Bowl was you know, the last chance to see Lamar Jackson and this Ravens team play for a while. But hopefully when we see them again, they will be much, much improved. And now let's get into the Draft Network's mock draft. With the 28th pick in their latest mock draft, they had the Ravens select Yitzhak Gross Matos, the edge player out of Penn State. And the reason behind this, they said, and this is actually Joe Marino's mock draft, the Locked On Bills host who we had on the show a couple months ago. He said that Yitzhak Gross Matos has a lot of stuff in his toolbox and things that have really helped him become one of the more dominant edge rushers in the college football over the last two seasons. In those last two seasons at Penn State, he racked up 33 and a half tackles for loss and 16 sacks. And Gross Matos is a very big guy. He's a great athlete. I don't really know if the Ravens would take Gross Matos. And my reasoning isn't because of his level of play. He is a tremendous football player. But there was that Penn State scandal and... There were reports that he was named in where he was hazing the freshman players in inappropriate ways. And if that starts to come to light and the Ravens see those reports, you know, I don't know if that will be the best fit culturally for them. But as a football player, Gross Matos, you know, one of the best edge players in the draft, he might even be gone before pick 28. I kind of have him going in the early 20s. But if he slides to 28 and the Ravens find his football talent enticing enough, they'll pull the trigger because as everybody knows, the Ravens need edge rushers, and Gross Matos would fit that bill pretty well. We are going to go to break now, but when we come back, we're going to be getting into my mock draft, talk about who I had the Ravens selecting in the first three rounds. So stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. But before we do that, Butcher brings the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. Bluetooth is subscribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctors visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Bluetooth prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, I've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit Bluetooth.com. Get your first shipment free. When you use our special promo code LOCKEDON, just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHU.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free. Bluetooth is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. 
This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to the second segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Oshiker still with you here. And we just got into the Pro Bowl, Kobe Bryant's passing, and also the mock draft that the Draft Network had for Baltimore last week. But so now we're going to get into my mock draft, the one that I did yesterday, posted on my Twitter. And this board, the way it fell was extremely interesting. And so I really was just enticed and I had to pick the players I picked just to see how the board would fall as I picked player after player and if it would really line up with the Ravens needs. And I have to say it did. And I'm not disappointed in how this turned out for Baltimore. So first with the 28th pick, I decided to go with a wide receiver and select T Higgins, the wide receiver out of Clemson, who just tore up the league last year. 59 receptions for 1,667 yards. He had 13 touchdowns. He also had one rush attempt for 36 yards and a touchdown. So he had that to his resume. In 2018, he had 59 receptions for 936 yards and 12 touchdowns as well. So he's been doing it for a couple years for this Clemson team. And he is super, super athletic. He's 6'4", he's 215 pounds, and really he just is a great route runner. He has about 8 or 9 routes that he runs really, really, really well. And he has a lot of good foot quickness, a lot of agility, and he also is very good at both separating and having good contested catches. He has great contested catch ability. And for Lamar Jackson to have a guy who is super athletic, can go up, catch contested balls. Maybe if a ball is a little inaccurate, he can go adjust for it. And the best thing about T. Higgins is not his contested catch ability, but his ability to do things after the catch. Now, in Greg Roman's offense, it was a little hard to see what he was doing with Hollywood Brown. There weren't a lot of screens going his way. The Ravens didn't really do a lot of, you know, trickery things in terms of screens or reverses or jet sweeps. The Ravens more like to have people get out into space and open up the middle of the field for their tight ends. Very traditional stuff. But when you have T. Higgins, and with his exceptional run after the catch ability... He's someone where you just almost have to put in one or two, you know, trick plays for him. The fact that he can do all those things, having him and Hollywood Brown on the field at the same time would be an absolute nightmare. Higgins can find the soft spot in the defense and is able to really play anywhere on the field. So if the Ravens wanted to put him inside in the slot, they could do that while moving Hollywood outside. Or if you wanted to get some snaps with Hollywood in the slot and kind of create that mismatch, you could put Higgins on the outside in kind of an outside receiver role and still have threats both in the slot and on the outside. Now with Higgins, he doesn't use his hands a lot, so press corners give him a little bit of trouble kind of breaking out of his routes in the first few seconds of a play, but that is coachable, and I have confidence in David Culley that he would be able to do that with Higgins and kind of shape him into the ideal route runner for Baltimore, and he's also a decent blocker as it is as well, so that's obviously a an area where Baltimore is looking at in receivers a little more than most teams are, but I think Higgins would really be you know, a perfect fit on this offense. Spencer talked about Henry Ruggs a little bit, who's another guy I absolutely love. And Higgins' skill set is a little different than Ruggs, but still, both of those players would be great, great fits 
on the Ravens. And the next guy at pick 60, this was something where I was a little surprised that this guy was even still on the board. But even so, I had to take him. Justin Jefferson out of LSU, the wide receiver. So the Ravens in this mock draft, at least double dipping in a deep wide receiver class. And I don't necessarily see Baltimore doing this, even if they do have the option, just because we all know inside linebackers, a key position of need for them in the offseason. Edge is a key position of need for them in the offseason. Even positions like offensive line and on the interior, interior defensive line as well. The Ravens in a deep receiver class, I could see him picking a wide receiver in the first round or second round, 100%, if the talent, of course, is there. Now, having Justin Jefferson and T. Higgins and Hollywood Brown on the same offense, that's just explosive. I think that's really unstoppable. You throw in Miles Boykin into that and then have Willie Sneed as your, you know, quote-unquote, fifth receiving option, that is deadly. And we talked about Justin Jefferson a bit last week. Now, he's a guy who also has eight or nine routes that he runs really well. He also has good contested catch ability, and he can do some things with yards after the catch as well. Looking at his stats, Jefferson had 1,540 yards and 18 touchdowns for LSU on 111 receptions. And with Jefferson, a weakness for him is not using his hands enough. He kind of lets the ball get into his body. That's caused some drops on his part. But again, that's something that's coachable. And so if the Ravens were to go with Justin Jefferson at 60 here, and that's assuming he's on the board. I mean, Justin Jefferson in most NFL circles right now is a late day one, very early day two pick. So I doubt that the Ravens would have the ability to get Justin Jefferson unless they do get him in the first round. And I personally think Justin Jefferson is more of an early day two pick than a late day one pick. So I'd much rather see the Ravens get a T Higgins and then go after another guy at 60 like a Troy Dye or a Patrick Queen if he gets there, someone like that. But if Jefferson gets there at 60, I would be all right with the Ravens double dipping because if you have the opportunity to get three young studs in your wide receiver core to grow along with your young quarterback and your young offense... And they have Miles Boykin in there as well. That's something that you really can't pass up. But again, I don't think that's going to be the route Baltimore does take. I do expect them to pick an edge rusher or an inside linebacker with one of those top two picks that they have. And in the third round, I have the Ravens selecting offensive lineman Tyler Biadish out of the University of Wisconsin. Somebody who I'm taking is a kind of a pick for the future. Biadish was a great offensive lineman for Wisconsin, played primarily center, but I kind of project him as a left guard, right guard kind of guy. Kind of like Bradley Bozeman, who came out of Alabama as a center, then moved to guard. I profile the same thing for Biadish as well. He's a guy who was really one of the heart and souls of that Wisconsin offensive line. He's a nasty guy, and he kind of profiles a little bit like Ben Powers, somebody who likes to see the soul come out of his opponents in the fourth quarter, and he has a very, very high motor, and his hands are something that really sets him apart from other offensive linemen because it makes these defensive linemen have a really tough time getting off of his blocks. Once he gets a grip of you, and of course he does it without holding, but once he gets a grip of you, it's really hard for you to disengage from him. And he also has very good punches. He's able to time them very well and make sure that when he does it, he does it in a location that's very hard for defenders to recover from. And he makes sure that he wins most of his reps, even if it's not the prettiest thing, even if he doesn't pancake on every single rep. He knows that he's winning most of them. And he's a very big guy as well, 6'3", 321 pounds, and he's just very, very strong. Somebody who I think would be a great replacement for Marshall Yonda. 
Although he does have techniques that he can mix up quite a bit if you want to go for a weakness of his. And at Wisconsin, they ran more of a run-heavy offense, which is what the Ravens do. So that's why I think he'll be a great fit. But when he's asked to get into space, he can struggle a bit. So he can't be relied too much on the outside, but overall, I think Biedish would be a wonderful addition to this Ravens offensive line, and if Marshall Yonda decides to play for one more year, Biedish can get tutoring under him and then step into a role two years from now, but if Yonda does decide to hang it up, I think Biedish could be a straight draft plug-and-play starter for Baltimore. So I think that these first three picks, yes, they're all offense-oriented, but the Ravens' strength, if it got stronger and it got stronger in that capacity... You know, with the defense already being pretty decent, they just need a few holes. They could address those defensive holes in free agency and then look to the draft in two years. But of course, I again don't think the Ravens will go this route. I think at least one of their first three picks will be on the defensive side of the ball. We are going to go to break now, but when we come back, we're going to be talking about the remaining three picks that I picked in this Baltimore Ravens mock draft. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic ball cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostreicher still hanging with you here, and we just got into rounds one through three of my mock draft from yesterday. And now we're going to get into the final rounds, four, five, six, and seven. Although right now at the moment, the Ravens do not have a sixth or seventh round pick. So we're just going to get to their two fourths in the fifth round pick that they currently own. And with the fourth round pick that the Ravens have, the first fourth round pick, I selected Alex Highsmith, the edge player out of Charlotte. And he's a guy who had 14 sacks this past season playing in Conference USA. And he's a big guy, he's 6'4", 242 pounds, and he anticipates the snap. We see these guys who have great pre-snap jumps, and Highsmith is just another one of those. And he has a lot of moves in his arsenal. We talk about guys who, if they're one-trick ponies, like if they're just a speed rush or just a power rusher off the edge, it can hinder their ability a bit, and the left tackle can kind of play that to their advantage. But Highsmith is a guy who likes to dip and rip outside, and he also has a good inside move that he likes to use hand play with and good hand placement at that and he's also very experienced in the stand-up role which as is obvious the Ravens play in a 3-4 defensive scheme so him playing the stand-up role in that defense is something that would go a long way in him not having to learn a completely new role playing off the edge. And he's another high motor guy. The Ravens value these high motor players who are going to come in every snap, work their tail off to get to the quarterback and not give up halfway through if, say, the lineman wins at the first point of attack. 
Highsmith is a guy who, if he is beaten, he will work to make a contribution on that play in a different way. Maybe it's forcing a runner to the inside, or maybe it's making the quarterback second guess, or maybe it's putting pressure on He doesn't necessarily have to sack the quarterback to make an impact, and that high motor is something that I really value in players, and even the fact that, you know, he's not the most flashy guy. He hasn't played in the biggest conference against the best opponents. I mean, you look at some of the Ravens' other pass rushers who have panned out for them who they've drafted. Matthew Judon played at Grand Valley State. Zadarius Smith played at the University of Kentucky, which is a great basketball school, but they're not known exactly for their football. The Ravens have had talent come into their system from these smaller schools that have flourished, and so I think Kai Smith is another guy who could come in and make an immediate impact. With the Ravens' second fourth round pick, I ended up picking McTelvin Aguim out of Arkansas. And Aguim is a guy who can rush the passer from the inside. I've talked about Chris Jones quite a bit on this show as a guy who is almost my dream free agent for Baltimore. But Aguim is a guy, 6'3", 294. And boy, can he get to the quarterback. 14 and a half sacks in his four years at Arkansas, including nine and a half in his final two years with the Razorbacks. And Aguim is a guy who is extremely athletically gifted, and he's extremely explosive too. Off the jump, he'll jump out onto your screen. And that's just how explosive he is coming out of his stance. And when you look at the interior offensive linemen and how they really prepare for him and how they adjust to his explosiveness in the game, it's really difficult for them because Aguim is one of the most athletically gifted defensive tackles in the entire nation, according to the draft network and I totally agree with that sentiment and you talk about high motor Aguim is another guy he will impact the game in multiple areas even if he is not the focal point of the play or of the series for the defense he'll go in and he'll eat up a double team if he has to or he'll command a double team if he has to now that is one of the weaknesses in his game he can't really get out of double teams he is athletic but he's not the strongest defensive tackle in the entire class And he also relies on that quickness and explosiveness to get to the quarterback using his inside and outside moves. So in terms of his power, that's a little bit to be desired. But I think that he can be worked with to just get in the weight room, get a little stronger. And then he can become a multiple technique defensive tackle. So a guy where if the Ravens let a Michael Pierce walk, I think that with Dalen Mack in the fold and with Aguim, if they selected him, the Ravens would be set up for a pretty good future with those two and with Brandon Williams potentially being a cap casualty in the coming years or something of the like, production falling off. I think the Ravens would be pretty set with those two. Of course, they would need some development and it wouldn't all be put together in their first few seasons. But as they develop and as they mature, I think they could become a deadly 1-2 tandem for Baltimore. And finally... With the Ravens' fifth-round pick, the last pick that they currently own, I picked Shaquille Quarterman out of Miami. He's a linebacker, a guy who impressed at the Senior Bowl, and he is almost as sharp as they come. His football IQ was off the charts, and he was a starter in all four of his years at Miami, and his tackle for loss production was out of this world. In his four years at Miami, 46 and a half tackles for losses. He also had 12 career sacks. For the Miami Hurricanes, he totaled five in 2018. He only had one in 2019, but he is 
a tackling machine in his final year at Miami. He had 107 total tackles. And he's just a guy who really is the total package. Now, his coverage skills do lack a bit. But I think that if Quarterman was to come in and kind of be the young guy, so if the Ravens bring back a Josh Bynes or a veteran presence, they already have LJ Fort locked in. And I don't think Patrick Owasso is going to return. So if they brought in Quarterman to be under the tutelage of Bynes, be under the tutelage of LJ Fort, I believe that they could teach him to become one of the Ravens' great linebackers, and the Ravens have had success with some undrafted inside linebackers. Now, of course, T.J. Mosley was a first-round pick, but you look at guys like Danelle Ellaby, Jameel McLean, even Daryl Smith, who they brought in off the free agency heap. The Ravens don't need to have a high-profile, big first-round pick in there to make an impact, and I think Quarterman could be the next guy. He can shed blocks well. He's a very good tackler. He can bring the boom. He's a leader. He has toughness. He just needs to work on his coverage skills, and the Ravens can work with that. Now, that hasn't been their strong suit, and I think that LJ Fort will make up in that category because he can cover, but I do believe that Quarterman would be a great fit on this Ravens defense, all things considered. But that's all I have for you today. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode talking about the draft. Again, we do that on every Monday now, Mock Draft Monday. And tomorrow we are going to be getting Spencer Schultz back on the show to talk more Ravens football. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.